Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, reading from verse 13. There you go. James chapter 5, reading from verse 13. The Bible says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up if they have sinned. They shall be forgiven. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your word and for the work of the Holy Spirit. Just pray you come, Lord God, and speak to all of us. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom to speak and to hear your word. I thank you that your word is anointed. And I thank you that you're going to speak to us today. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, This is the final message in a series entitled A Miracle for You. My prayer has been that our faith would begin to rise so that we could uh, believe for a miracle, that that faith would begin to, to rise, that a sense of expectation might, might come in our lives, that we would believe that God could actually do something out of the ordinary inside our lives, that whatever we've said in our life, it's impossible or it's too difficult or it's never going to happen, that, that we, we would see God move in a, in, in a powerful way in our lives. Every generation needs to experience the power of God. Thank God for knowledge. Thank God for study. Thank God for everything that we have today. But what we need more than anything is, is for God to move. We need to see the power of God manifest amongst His people. And what gives us confidence to believe for that is the words of Jesus that said, key verse for this series, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and, and they will do even greater things, even greater things. Everybody say greater things, greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I don't know about you, but every time I read that scripture, I'm challenged because it's Jesus' words. It's Jesus speaking. And I'm, and I'm saying, Lord, would you increase my faith so that I would believe that that, be, that could be a reality in our lives. Now, the biggest problem with us is it's easier to believe the negative. It's easy to believe that our life won't change. It's the message of the enemy. It's this is your lot in life. You'll never be happy. You'll never experience the peace of God. It's so much easier to believe that than to believe that God could move, that God could do something in our lives. I love the story of the healing of Jairus' daughter. Uh, Jesus gets to the house. Jairus' daughter has died. um, And uh, the house is filled with mourners. And Jesus says... Um, she isn't dead, she's sleeping. And the Bible says the crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. You know, there are times in our life where we need to get everyone out of the room. 
I'm not necessarily talking about out of the room physically, but we need to get everyone out of, out of the room in our hearts and in our mind. We need to get rid of doubt. We need, to, we need to say to doubt, out of the room, get out. We need to get fear out, reasoning, logic, tiredness, whatever it is, we need to get it out of the room. And we need to bring Jesus into the room, into our situation and allow Him to speak into our lives. I wonder, is there something that seems dead in your life? Is the enemy laughing at you for believing that God could intervene? Is the enemy saying at you, well, where is this God that you believe? Jesus gets everyone out of the room and then he speaks to the girl and he says, little girl, get up. Little girl, get up. And immediately she was made well. Immediately she was made well. Question that I want to briefly touch on today is what's the difference between faith and fantasy? What, what is the difference between faith and fantasy? Both of them are believing for something. Both of them have a rhetoric of faith. Both of them sound enthusiastic, but God is in one and not in the other. How do you know the difference is the question. How do you know the difference between faith and fantasy? Well, the difference between faith and fantasy is, is really, really simple. It's very simple. It's simply a word from God. At the core of a miracle is faith that is based on a word or a promise from God. You look at all the miracles of the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was always a word from God. Go and wash in the Jordan. Go and show yourself to the priest. Let down your nets. Step out of the boat. Peter there is on the, on the edge of the boat. Jesus is walking on water. Peter gets this idea. He gets this idea, gee, wouldn't it be cool if I could walk on water? He's got this idea, but... but but that's not enough for him to walk on water. It's just an idea. It's just a thought in his mind. He then says to Jesus, why don't you bid me to come? And Jesus says to him, come. And that's when the miracle happened. It's because Jesus gave his word. And at the word of Jesus, he steps out of the boat and then begins to walk on water. Jesus says, fill the jars with water. And on and on. God had given Abraham a promise that he would have a son, that he would be the father of a great nation, but there was no children. And uh, what helped him get through that situation was faith in a word and in a promise that God had given him, not just once, but twice and three times. Bible says of Abraham, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he pro had promised. What gave him the faith to believe was a promise that God had made to him. Now the word promise comes from the Latin promitere, pro meaning forward, mitere meaning to place ahead. And what it's saying is I'm going to send this promise into the future. Uh, a promise is a declaration of what someone is going to do in the, in the future. A promise is a declaration of what God is going to do in our lives and in our hearts. Our faith for a miracle hangs on a promise from God. David said, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I had almost despaired, but what got me through was a promise. It was a promise that, that, that God would see me through, that God is a good God, that God is on my side, that, 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 uh, that, that He's going he's gonna to make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. What got me through was a promise from God. And what helps us believe the promise is who's making the promise. 
See, people make promises all the time, but they, they, uh, they don't necessarily mean what they say and do what they say. Politicians around election time, they're making tons of promises. They're just, they're just you know, coming out with all kinds of promises, not necessarily going to keep them, but they're making them. What, what gives us confidence to believe the promise of God? I tell you what it is, it's who's making the promise. It's God who's making the promise, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the, 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 the one who's above every circumstance and situation. God said in Isaiah, Indeed, I have spoken it, and I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will also do it. What a powerful scripture. Isaiah 46, indeed, I have spoken it, says the Lord, and I will also bring it to pass. What God has said, he shall do. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. What he has said, he shall do. What he has promised shall come to pass. David said, the Lord's promises are pure like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. Solomon says, praise be to the Lord who has given rest for his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his, his, uh, his servant Moses. And I don't know what you're facing today. And I don't know what a miracle looks like in your life today. What I do know is that God wants to give you a word, a rhema, a promise that's specifically for you. And specifically the situation that you're facing in your life. God wants to give you a promise that's going to see you through. That's going to be the, 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 the trigger uh, for the, the work of God, the power of God. Paul said to the Corinthians, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. They are not maybe in Christ. They are yes in Christ in Jesus' name. And so through him, the amen is spoken by the glory of God. Now, this is a really important principle. If we're going to see a miracle in our lives, we need a word or a promise from God. That the basis of a miracle is a word from God. It's a word from God. That as, 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 we, as we read the word, as we, as we, as we uh, study the word, that, that a word will be quickened. So what happens in our lives? And often we're facing a situation, we're praying about it. We're saying, God, will you do something? Lord, I don't know what to do with this. Lord God, you know, you see what's before me. It's, there's nothing wrong with us actually presenting our requests before God. But as, as we're praying then, then, and maybe reading our Bible, then a verse will be quickened to our hearts. And we know that's a word for us. We know that's a word for us. How do we get a word from God? We need to seek after God. You don't get a miracle by seeking after a miracle. You get a miracle by seeking after God. And as we seek God, God begins to speak. You don't get, so Pastor Jai, you're saying we shouldn't ask for a miracle. No, the Bible says present your request before God. But ultimately, where we're seeking is we're seeking after God. And we're saying, God, you see the situation in my life, Lord God, I want to seek after you. The purpose of the, of the situation we're facing is always to bring us closer to God. And as we're seeking after God, God begins to speak. And that becomes the basis for a word in our lives. The Bible has thousands of promises that relate to you and me. I want to pull out 10 very briefly uh, this morning, 10 promises of God that I pray He'll speak to all of us about that would become a revelation in our hearts that would be quickened in our spirit. The first of the promises is a promise of victory. As Christians, we're often faced with battles. There's battles in our minds, in our hearts, with people, with situations. And of course, our greatest battle is with the enemy. And the Bible promises ultimate victory. The Bible says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the people. It's not against your boss. It's not against your in-laws or your spouse. They're not the enemy. The enemy is the principalities and powers of this dark world. Can I hear an amen? 
Our, our, our battle is with the enemy. And Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, Now thanks be to God who always, always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I don't know what kind of battle you're facing today, but God promises that he is with us, that he's fighting for us, and that by his grace, he will give us the victory. It's a promise in the name of Jesus. God's promise is not, well, you shall be defeated. That's not the promise of God. The promise of God is victory in the name of Jesus. And often as we're facing different battles, usually we start thinking strategies. What shall I do? What I, what shall, you know, who shall I talk to? And what am I going to say next? No, the greatest thing that we can do is go into the presence of God and begin to cry out to God. Because every single battle starts off as a spiritual battle. You win in the spiritual realm first and then the natural realm follows. We get victory in the spiritual realm and then that translates into the natural realm. The battle is fought in the spiritual realm. Oh God, we come against every work of the enemy in the name of Jesus. We resist every, every work of the enemy in Jesus. I thank you for the authority that you have given me to come against every work of the enemy in Jesus' name. And I thank you that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God promises victory. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, not because of our righteousness, not because of how smart we are, how good we are. It's through Jesus Christ that we can experience every victory. Secondly, it's the promise of blessing. So often we believe that God blesses everyone else except me. Oh, the person next to me is blessed, but not me. Malachi says this, it's my, I love this scripture, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be no room enough to store it. Now, you know, that's one of those scriptures that's kind of those core, core scriptures in the Bible and in, in, in churches that have mentioned. And as soon as we hear that word tithe, uh, just there's a, like a, a wall goes up, shoom. We don't even hear the rest of the scripture. All I heard was tithe. Here they go again. They just want our money. It's all they want. You're not understanding the scripture. God is not interested in your money. He's not interested in my, he's not in heaven calling the, the angels. Hey, how, show me the profit and loss. How are we doing here today? I, I just need to see how we're going here today. Um, and you just, just to say, well, things are looking bad. We need to preach on Malachi chapter three. That's what we need to preach. God is not interested in your money or my money. This is what God wants. God wants our hearts. That's what God is after. And how do you know what's in our hearts? I tell you, there are three ways you can see what, what dominates your heart. It's, it's how you use your money. It's how you use your time and what you think about the most. That determines who the God is in your life. And people say, oh God, you can have everything, but not... Not my money, because my money belongs to me. It's like, it's like imagine a couple that are going to get married. They say, I love you, uh, oh, uh, you're good and bad, 98% of the time. <laughs> 95% of the time. It's not going to be a great marriage, is it? And God says, I just want your heart. Now, re let's reread the scripture with that. God is saying, bring your whole heart into the storehouse. And listen, listen what the consequences of that are. Listen to the heart of God for your life and my life. Just listen to the Spirit of God. Listen to what He wants to say to you and to me. He's saying, listen, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. You, you bring your whole heart into the storehouse. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you cannot contain it. You're going to have to say to God, God, stop, stop, stop. I just can't have any more of your blessing. 
Now you want to keep your money in your pocket, then just, you do whatever, we, this is not a church. They didn't even take 30 seconds with the offering today. God, at least a minute, for goodness sake. Come on. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's God's house. It's God's house. And if we give, we're the ones that we're going to be blessed. You don't want to give, no, don't give. That's quite okay. But as we do, God wants to bless us. It's his heart for you and me. It's his heart for you and me. You are blessed in Christ Jesus. And you know, it's just something, oh, no, everybody else is blessed. Some of you feel like there's a curse on your family. Some of you feel like there's a curse on your life. You have cursed genes. Everything you do goes wrong. You always have bad luck. Stop confessing the negative and start confessing the promise of God over your life. I am blessed in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Every spiritual blessing is upon my life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not because of our righteousness, but because of who Jesus is. I thank you, Lord, that I'm blessed. I thank you that my marriage is blessed. I thank you that my family is blessed. I thank you that everything I do with my hand is blessed in Jesus' name. Start confessing the promises of God over your life. Number three is the promise of healing. Psalm 103 says, Who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases. Why is it that we can believe for part one, but not part two? Why is it that we can believe that He forgives all of our sins, but we can't believe that He can heal all of our diseases? Now, we don't understand everything about healing. I, I certainly don't want to pretend to do that. So we commit ourselves to God and believe His Word in the name of Jesus. We just stand on the promises of His Word. It's not my job to defend God. He can defend Himself. All I know is what does the Bible say? What does He ask me to do? I do the possible. He does the impossible. I leave the rest to Him. Now, of course, we can experience physical sickness, emotional sickness, sicknesses of the mind, my prayer is that we would experience the healing power of God in the name of Jesus, by His grace and for His glory in Jesus' name. Number four, God promises peace in the storm. All of us have storms in our life, health storms, financial storms, marital storms. The other day, Friday, I think it was, just standing, sitting in my office and then suddenly this, I think it was Thursday, and this storm just comes through, sunshine, and then next it's pelting with rain. Sometimes that's the storms in our life. That's how they come. They seem to come out of nowhere with extreme force. And they threaten to take us under. The Bible says in Luke that the disciples uh, were on a boat with Jesus. Jesus was downstairs sleeping. They were in the midst of a storm and Jesus was sleeping. And the disciples are fretting in the storm. Anybody ever fretted in a storm? What are we going to do? And so the disciples went and woke him uh, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. We need to believe that Jesus still speaks to storms today. We, we, we need to believe that no matter what kind of storm we're going through in our life right now, we need to believe that Jesus can still speak to those waves and that everything can calm down in the name of Jesus by his grace and for his glory. If Jesus is with us, then no storm can take us down. If Jesus is in the boat, then no storm can take us down. I don't care what I'm going through. I know Jesus is in my heart. I know Jesus is in my boat. And I know that no storm can take me down. No plans of God can be frustrated. No one can frustrate the plans of God. No one can frustrate the plans of God. No one can frustrate the plans of God. Number five is the promise of protection. 
Zechariah says, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord. And I will be its glory within. I myself am going to, I'm going to build a wall of fire around you that's going to protect you from whatever is coming in. What a great promise for some of us. Some of us who are feeling afraid. Some of us who are not sure, insecure. God says, I'm going to build a wall of fire around you. Psalm 91, which is really the word of the Lord for our season. It's the COVID season scripture. This COVID season psalm says this, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I'll protect him. For he acknowledges my name. And he will call on me and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Why? Because he loves me. Because he loves me. Because she loves me, says the Lord. Then I'm going to do. Here's the condition. And then there's the promise. What's the condition? Just loving God. Just giving your life to Jesus Christ. Just surrendering to him. And all these benefits come with that. I will rescue him. I'll protect him. He'll call on me. I will answer him. Be with him in trouble. Doesn't mean he won't experience trouble, but I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him and honor him with long life. We're like, well, look at all the pro- Who wouldn't want that for their lives? Even today. Number six is the promise of provision. There's some of you that are struggling financially, struggling to make ends meet, struggling one week at a time. Paul says to the Philippians, and my God shall meet all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, our Lord. My God shall meet all of your needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Some of us are in financial trouble because we're spending money on things that we don't need. It's things we want. Notice it says, and my God shall meet all your needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Number seven is the promise of God's wisdom. If there is ever something that we need in this generation, more than anything else, it's wisdom and understanding. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it shall be given to him. One of the prayers I pray every single day, Lord, I pray for wisdom and understanding. Lord, I need wisdom and understanding. Lord, I pray for wisdom and understanding. So many of us have got hundreds of decisions to make every day. You don't know whether to go left or right, what the right thing is to do, what the wrong thing is to do, how we need the wisdom of God. Above all else, Lord, what do I do in this situation? Pray for wisdom. It's a promise that God gives it not stingily. He gives it liberally for those who ask. Number eight is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God shall call. And that includes you and me. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Peter is speaking to this group, this crowd that had gathered there that day. And uh, he begins to speak to them about Jesus. And many of them were convicted in their heart. They said, what shall we do? Peter says, repent. What does that mean? Repent means I'm walking this way, but instead of walking this way from now on, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to start walking in the, op- in the opposite direction. Instead of walking away from God, I'm going to start walking towards God. I'm going to start doing the things. That please God. Repent and be baptized. Baptism is a 
powerful thing. We, we, we talked about it this morning. Baptism is, 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 is a declaration of our faith in Jesus Christ. As of this day, I shall serve the Lord all the days of my life. It's a declaration not only to the people watching, it's a declaration in the spiritual realm that says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And then Peter says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit promises for you and for your children and for all who are, come, who are far off. Where would we be without the Holy Spirit? It's the Holy Spirit that guides, that opens doors, that empowers. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How we need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us pray, that guides us, that protects us, that speaks to us. When I pray during the week, I always spend a period of time just praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues and, 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 just, and just crying out to God. You know, the Bible says that he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, he speaks to God. Behold, he speaketh mysteries. I don't know what I'm praying, but I know the Holy Spirit is praying through me according to the will of God. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying, but maybe it's best that I don't know. If I pray with my mind, I'll be praying, oh Lord, I just need to upgrade my car in the name of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit starts to pray, to keep him humble, Lord, keep him humble, Lord. Don't answer that prayer, Lord. Come on, praying in the Spirit is powerful. It's a gift from God. Because we don't know how to pray. How do I pray? I don't even know what I should ask for. What do I pray for in my life? But the Holy Spirit helps us to pray by giving us a language that bypasses our brain, that the enemy cannot understand, and it's according to the will of God directly to heaven. Who wouldn't want a gift like that? Where do we buy that gift? Where do we get there? You don't buy it. It's a gift. Come on. It's a gift. Where do, where do we get where, where, Where's the website where I can get that? The Bible says all you need to do is ask. Listen to what Jesus said. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So all we need to do is ask by the Spirit of God. The promise of a blessed home is number nine. Proverbs says, by wisdom a house is built and through understanding it's established. I want us to believe that our homes are going to be filled with the blessing and the favor and the peace and the joy of the Lord in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, this God is going to build a hedge of protection around our homes and our families that we will experience the joy and the blessing of the Lord. Our homes will be a place of healing and a place of peace, the promise of grace. Finally, uh, grace is the ability to do things you cannot do with your own strength. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them. There's saving grace. Saving grace is the grace and the mercy of God that when we confess our sins to God, when we say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. When we pray a simple prayer like that, we experience the grace of God, that's saving grace. But then we can also experience empowering grace. Grace, empowering grace is the ability to do things you could never do on your own. And with them great power, with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus and great grace was upon them all. I pray that there would be great grace upon all of us here today. Come on church, let's believe that great grace is going to be upon all of us here today. The ability to do things we could never do on our own. The natural mind. One of the great metaphors of the Christian life is pilgrim's progress. Christian is walking on the narrow road that leads to life. And he steps off the road because it looks easier in the field. 
And as he does, as he transgresses on his property, a giant named Despair beats him up and locks him up in a castle called Doubt. Christian, when he walks off the road, is seized by despair and is locked up in doubt. As he's locked up in the castle of doubt, he loses hope. The story then takes a turn. The ogre, the giant, goes home every night to his wife. She would ask, how was your day? He said, good, I captured this Christian guy and I beat him up. She, she's a really nice Woman, she says, tomorrow show him the skulls of the people that died in the castle and then beat him up. He does that. The next day she says, how did that go? He said, he seems really discouraged. She says, good, show him how many locks are on the gate and that he will never try and escape and then beat him again. She's a beautiful woman. You know what I mean? She's beautiful, empathy, compassion. And as you read this, you wonder... Why does this guy have a conversation with his wife about how to beat a guy? And it's an allegory, and her name is diffidence. Anyone know what diffidence is? Did you use that word this week? You know, as you were talking to someone, you're very diffident today. No. Diffidence is shyness or a lack of confidence. And she hopes that Christian will lose all confidence and die a slow and painful death, is her goal. Locked up in the cell is a man called Hopeful. And at one moment when Christian is in his deepest despair, he says, why don't we talk to God? Because maybe this prison is not the end for us. Maybe there's a future beyond this place. And so they pray all night. As Hopeful encourages Christian to pray, Christian remembers that when he met the king, he gave him a, a key. He has a key in his pocket. A key called promise. Promise from the king has, to, has the capacity to unlock the castle of doubt. Sure enough, he tries it. And it works. And he works, walks out of that castle. Key to freedom from whatever prison we're in is a promise from God. For every crisis in life, whatever it is, physical, emotional, marital, spiritual, we need a promise. We need a word from God that will help us navigate the thoughts, emotions, that will help us to stand. Maybe you've been knocked down, pushed down. Maybe despair has beaten you up and locked you in a prison of doubt. And you don't have any strength anymore. When you have nothing to hang on to, I want you to know there's a key in your hand. There's a key in your hand. Come on, church. There's a key in your hand. The king has given you a key. It's in your hand. You just don't know that it's there. He's given you a key. It's a promise that can help you be free. It's a, no matter, but Pastor Joe, you don't understand how bad my situation is. I don't understand how bad your situation, but I know that there is a key to unlock that, that, that lock that's there that gets you out of that, that problem. Pastor Joe, you don't understand the, the issues in my family, the issues in my marriage. I understand, I don't understand how bad your situation, but I believe there's a key in the name of Jesus that can help you through that. Remember, the greatest miracle of all is not whatever, you know, it's not that healing or whatever it is. The greatest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation. 
Every other miracle is temporary. The miracle of salvation is eternal. And if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, don't leave this place without doing that. It's the greatest miracle of all. And once we've received that miracle, we believe for every other miracle. And so, I'm going to finish off on a promise from the Bible. James says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing. Is anyone sick? Call the elders of the church. Anoint them with oil. And pray in the name of Jesus. And those that are sick shall be made well. That's a promise in Scripture. Just by the way, that's also found in Mark. The disciples were doing that as well. It's not just one spot in Scripture. Disciples were doing that. And we're going to believe for that today. So what we're going to do, why don't we stand together? We're going to go into another worship uh, song. We're just going to worship for a bit. And then I'm going to invite you to come forward and and be prayed for in Jesus' name. Thank you.